feel the heat of the game. The crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache. And the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on boiler servicing and maintenance, visit opc-ltd.uk. What are you thinking as the dust settles on what seemed like a pivotal point in the Scottish football season? That Rangers defeat of Celtic on Saturday has opened a yawning 19-point gap at the top of the Premiership. Rangers fans... Is that any sort of title race finished Celtic supporters with three games in hand? Is there any way back? If not, should Celtic be doing some long-term planning, some rebuilding? If it is the end of that nine-in-a-row era, and should Celtic be taking a break in Dubai as we all button down the hatches here? The First Minister reckons there are questions to be answered. Meanwhile, Motherwell have started interviewing for a new manager to replace Stephen Robinson and St Mirren points to win the race to tie up the pre-contract signing of Kilmarnock striker Eamon Brophy ahead of some pretty impressive opposition it would have to be said as well whatever you want to talk about get in touch you can decide where our football conversation goes and I think it's fair to say we need a fair bit of help at times in that regard 0808 17 17 700 is the telephone number text go in your message to 874 74 and on the socials at go football show so get in touch with us uh, join the chat join the show and uh, join the likes of Gary Holt is going to be joining us later on in about 20 minutes time the former Livingston manager will be talking to him we'll also be focusing on the big strain on mental health at the moment as we enter yet another lockdown phase it's uh, Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited Stephen Cragen is back in the studio and I'm happy to say delighted to say that uh, Celtic led Jackie McNamara is with us as well. Hi, Jackie. Hi, and uh, I should say hi, Stephen Cragen as well. Mm-hmm. You're, you're very welcome Good as evening. well. How are you, Jackie? Um, because uh, the minute I told anyone that you were on the show today, the, the next the next question is, how is he? How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah, it's, uh, it'll be coming up a year uh, next a month. A year next month, yeah. Which is pretty pretty crazy. It doesn't seem like that to me, but I think to the rest of the world, it maybe seemed a long time ago, but uh, especially with lockdown and uh, I think the first lockdown was a, a chance for me to recover uh, behind the scenes, but you know it's been a, a bit of a strange time. It was a major health scare, and there will be maybe one or two people listening, and for their benefit, in case they don't know what happened. I mean, it was all pretty dramatic. It was pretty sudden. It was pretty scary, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is obviously I'm very fortunate uh, to have, have made it and pulled through. Um, you know, I, I wasn't any sign or symptom. It's just. Went for a normal casual walk with my wife and the dogs and then came back and, and collapsed and had a, a bleed in the brain and uh, had an operation two days later which kind of went wrong and which put me in a coma. Uh, another few little setbacks uh, in between that, uh, coming out, you know, I had a, uh, different uh, problems, should I say, and a shunt operation a month later. Um but again, I'm, I'm fortunate to be here and um, I've got another operation still still to go to get a stent fitted into the artery itself. But I think with the COVID and waiting to see when everything gets back to normal in the hospitals and, uh, 
you know, I look forward to getting that done. And you back you, to you've made an amazing recovery, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. As I said, I've been very lucky. Um, you know, I think just uh, recovering at the time in the hospital, the hospital were unbelievable how, how good they were. And I know a lot of people were, were praising the NHS for the work they've done, but they really are amazing people and I can't thank them enough. He still looks about 18, doesn't he, Craig? <laughs> Listen, Jack, it never changed. He always looks younger than what he is. But, uh, I mean, it is because I remember the... It was Chris Sutton actually told me and it was the day after um, I think it was Celtic played away to Clyde in last season's Scottish Cup at Broadwood and it was I think it happened the previous day I remember Chris telling me and I thought whoa mm. you know yeah. and he said listen he's in a bad way you know he's he's in a bit of trouble um, so thankfully you know he's made that full recovery and I think no matter what team you support or what walk of life you're in you know, to see Jackie back in his feet, first and foremost, is, is great for everyone. It must have been really tough for those nearest and dearest to you, Jackie. It must have been a major shock for all of them. Yeah, the, the wife and the kids and close friends. And there was a lot of lads, a lot of my ex-teammates came down to see me in hospital, but I don't actually remember, I know it's kind of like I can laugh about it now, but I don't actually remember seeing them. You know, Stelly and Petrov came a couple of times and me Butcher came down, Dan Jackson. And it was great, you know, it, it was there. And as I came, sort of came round and started getting... Uh, you know, uh, I could see things and do things a bit better. It took a bit of time and getting round it all was quite uh, overwhelming. The support that I had, you know, from uh, fans, not just Celtic fans, but different fan Rangers fans sending messages, and it was it was it really gave me a lift at a, a difficult time. It must have changed your perspective as well, um, in terms of the the little things that that we all get excited about. You know. The, when when you've been through that sort of experience, it must just change everything uh, about your the way you deal with life. Yeah, absolutely. A different uh, looking at it, and you know we we go through things and we do things, and you know played football my career and then management and the stresses and strains of that. And I think when you have that, it kind of hits home. You know your your health is your wealth, and it's important that. Uh, you stay healthy, and you know I, I thought I was relatively healthy at the time. You just don't know. Uh, you know, and I've, I've a different outlook on things now. Try and enjoy it. When you get everything sorted medically, would you like to get back into the the firing line of football? <laughs> not, not when you look at all the stuff just now. I, I mean, there's bits there. Uh, Craig's will tell you, there's there's bits there that you enjoy with coaching and managing and seeing young players, and you, that you're kind of reliving your youth. And that that's the enjoyment I got at United and bits at Thistle. When I had young lads like Stephen O'Donnell coming out, was out the game. You know, you give them a chance. Uh, and you see their careers blossoming, ones that were kind of maybe in the, the scrap heap at that time. You know, they don't see the, themselves having that opportunity. And Robertson's obviously the, the highest profile one because he's captain and won the Premier League there, taking them from Queen's Park and having them worked with them. It was great. It was, I really enjoyed it. I look forward to... I had one spell at United, but I actually really look forward to it the Saturday, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because we were, winning, we were scoring maybe four goals or more for a number of games, and I was like... And it's the only time I've had that. You know, Thistle had some good moments there and I was confident in the players. United had one spell. It took me about uh, just over a year to get it since I took over at United to, to get my team there the way I wanted to go. And like everything else, you can only keep them for so long and it's, it's and you, you lose that kind of feeling yourself and you go, in, you go into the games and looking around and hoping who's going to produce on the day. And um <laughs> But it was it was a good it was a good time. I, I really enjoyed my time there at United. Uh, disappointed how it, uh, it finished. Um, you know, I was t- talking to Craig's earlier about you know the the right time when's your, the right time to go. And for me, looking back, I should have left United uh, six months before I did. 
And you had your 10 years at Celtic as a player and I think it was 10 major trophies in that in that time. That was a, a glorious spell, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And going in there with, with Tommy Burns, I'd, he was a fantastic man when he signed me and I learned so much uh, from Tommy and, and all, all my managers. But it was it was a, a special time going into the club as it was starting to change with the stadium. Uh, it was only partially built. Uh, but it was also the football that we played under there. It was probably the most enjoyable, although we didn't win. You know, the uh, Rangers were so strong at the time um, with some unbelievable players. And then Vim Janssen came in, we, we won the league. And, you know, we're talking about 10 in a row. We stopped 10 in a row at the time. Uh, a few managers after that with Dr. Joe and John Barnes. Uh, then Martin O'Neill came in. And Kenny in between that. You know, Kendall Glacier was my hero growing up. A chance to work with Kenny. So I've been very... In my 10 years, I've been very fortunate with the players I played with, the managers I played under, good and bad. Some of them, you know, was, like John Barnes wasn't so successful, but it was a, a great learning curve for us and uh, met some fantastic people. Well, it's good to have you with us. And, and let's come right back up to date and talk about Celtic now. Where are they now? 19 points behind in the Premiership on the back of Rangers 1, Celtic nil on Saturday, the first old firm match of 2021. And, uh, well, Celtic uh, couldn't have done more in terms of performance, but they couldn't score. Well, certainly, like, in uh, the last sort of Glasgow few derbies, we were in the ascendancy all for the majority of the game. You know, we had all the legs, we had all the quality, with all the pressing, with all the physicality. We were by far superior. And we just needed the finishing touch, really. And we felt it would come the longer the game went on. We felt they would tire, but they get a huge break with the goal. And I think a huge break with the sending off as well. But they couldn't do it, Crags. They couldn't score. And uh, is there any way back for Celtic? No, it looks it looks a long shot now, doesn't it? It would have to be... Uh, a, a loss of form catastrophic for Rangers for the allow Celtic back into it but I think Neil's right on the day Celtic were the better side no doubt about it um, the fact that they had a plan and I think a lot of Celtic fans are looking back to what October, November when they were struggling for form they were struggling for results and it was as if the team was just being rolled out the shape would change the personnel would change and they didn't look as if they had a plan they didn't look as if they had an idea of what they were trying to do whereas on, on Saturday they looked as if they had a plan they knew what they were trying to do the midfield worked ever so hard they closed down they pressed they won the ball but Jackie I'll tell you when you're on the front foot and when you're playing well and things are good and you're putting a lot you know, a lot of legwork in, you need that goal, you need that goal just to take it up a little level, something to defend, something to play to, and the longer it went, they didn't get the goal, you know, they started, you know, not taking risks, but you have to to try and get the goal, and then that probably played in the Rangers' hands, so, um, with regards to the title, it, it's it's a long, long way off, and I think that the inquest will be, how come in the first week in January, how can Celtic be 19 points behind Rangers, considering over the last three or four years, they've been streets ahead at times, and I'm sure that's an inquest that'll last between what probably now and the summer. What about you, Jackie? Where do you stand on the on the current argument about whether there is a, a title race anymore? Yeah, I think it's it's a very difficult one. I think uh, I think Celtic had to win the match. I think it's the best they've played against them for a number of games. It was a bit like the the League Cup final where the, the goalkeeper was the, the hero in the day. With McGregor, I know he didn't have a a lot of saves, but one or two that he had, I thought were were exceptional. Uh, Celtic I thought were, were very good in the day on the front foot as Craig said right throughout the team and the, I thought they had to score when they were on top you, you, longer you go and you don't uh, 
you're on top there and if you don't get that goal it gives them another opposition a lift because you know they're going to get one chance or one opportunity there and watching the game on Sky and Al McCaus talking about Morelos although he wasn't in the game uh, for the right reasons you know and some of the things he'd done you think is he going to be the, the you know come up with this goal and obviously the sending off is a, was a major blow Um but even at that point, the goal that they lost for the corner was disappointing. You know, they don't have any men on the on the posts, which could have, which was preventable, because if you know in the stats, I don't think Rangers had a shot at goal, but the the one one nil, which is which is crazy. But it's football, you know, and it wasn't it wasn't Celtic's day. So, what does Stephen Gerrard think about that nineteen point gap? We don't look at the the nineteen point lead. We look at Aberdeen, three points available. I think there's forty eight points to play for. Uh, so a lot of challenges, a lot of tough obstacles to get over. Today was big in terms of um, making a statement, proving that we can uh, win our second second derby out of two. So that's really pleasing. Uh, we don't look at leads and, and what we are. Our season starts now. And that uh, mentality, uh, Jackie, that, that's existed all the way through for Stephen Gerrard and Rangers, obviously fingers burned by what happened last season. That that uh, This refusal to accept, it's all over. I mean, he's never going to say that. But they, they just keep going from win to win, this incredible unbeaten run. And I guess it's that more than anything else. No matter what Celtic can do, any comeback relies on sell, on Rangers slipping up and it, it's difficult to see that, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's that's a difficulty. You know, even if Celtic win all the games in the hand and they beat Rangers in the next two derbies, you know, uh, Rangers have only uh, drawn two games out of 22. So that's it's a tough ask and Rangers have a, a lot of momentum. Even as I said, when they're not playing at their best, they're winning and that's what Celtic's been able to do over the last number of years. Did you take a bit of convincing about Rangers? Am I right in thinking that, that maybe at the time of the last Old Firm game you weren't totally convinced that they were the real deal? Uh, I think if they were, they would have won the league last year. I think there was there's, there was problems there with the mentality. Um, you know, getting beat... I'm talking about when I came out, uh, came out of the hospital, but at the time it was the uh, results coming through, getting beat 2 0 against Hamilton at home, uh, getting beat off of Kamarnock when you're going for the title, you know, when they came back from their uh, winter trip. So that this year they have a, a different mentality, they have a, a mindset, and I don't think they've got carried away. You see them celebrating last year when they won the, the derby, the, you know, celebrating to the cameras. They've not done that this year, they've kept their powder dry, they've just got on with their jobs and you know and uh, they look uh, quite formidable just now you know not just obviously in domestic but European they've done very well games at the, away from home they've went away and got some good results and I think that's had a big impact hasn't it on Rangers the the whole Stephen Gerrard face to the camera the celebration the celebrations coming too early last season that that has burned them hasn't it And the, but they've used it as a big motivator Crags this time around well, they have, and I think all that celebration last year was probably a little bit of relief as well, just because you know the pressure is always on Rangers. The pressure was on Steven Gerrard, and you know you have to learn from experiences. And I'm sure that's what he said to the players over the summer. That's certainly what he said to the players um, privately. It's just deal with the job in hand. Don't get carried away. Don't look too exuberant when we win. When we come back into the dressing room, we can celebrate. We can talk about it. We can set our targets, and that mentality is drip feeding right down through the club. But ultimately, you still have to win games. You know, you can have all that mentality, but you have to win games. They've won big games, they've won games well, they've won games in a different way. You know, last year people were saying when they go behind, you know, they struggle to come back. If they lose a game, then sometimes you can go on a run of two or three games. They can't recover quickly after, you know, a poor performance or a poor result. Or if they don't play well, they can't seem to get games over the line. So that's all changed and they've answered so many questions. 
Um, everybody questioned their endurance in a title race. Well, so far they're going okay, but that question will remain until they win a trophy. And then, you know, if they do win the league, then then they can start looking at things differently and, and, and changing appropriately. But probably as well because Celtic have had a dip in form. There's no doubt about it. That Celtic team, you know, have really fell off at times. They've struggled to win games. They haven't been as fluent. And Rangers have just chipping, you know, kept chipping away. And any time they've had a chance this year, Rangers, they exert more pressure on Celtic. They've done it. They've won the game. I mean, even even this weekend, they can go 22 points clear because they play before Celtic do. Yeah. You know, in previous seasons, they maybe wouldn't have taken that. Where they now, you think, if they're going to Aberdeen, you just think they'll go there and win. And they get themselves 22 points and pass it over to Celtic. They then have to bounce back. So it's been an intriguing year, that's for sure. And the reason, of course, that, that Rangers can go 20 points, uh, 22 points ahead uh, is that Celtic are playing Monday night um, against Hibs, 7.45 kickoff, because they're currently in Dubai and there hangs the tail. And, and today, Scotland's uh, First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon, uh, was saying that Celtic have questions to answer about that trip to the Emirates. Uh, she said possible breaches of social distancing rules while in the Middle East should be looked into. Of course, Celtic said uh, that they had uh, Scottish Government approval uh, back in November for going on the trip. But this is what the First Minister said today. For me, the question for Celtic, what is the purpose of them being there? I've seen a comment from the club that said it's more for R&R than it is for training. I've also seen some photographs and I, I don't know the full circumstances that would raise a question in my mind about whether all the rules of what elite uh, players have to do within their bubbles around social distancing are being complied with. So I think there are things there that, that should be looked into. Elite sport's been in a privileged position at points over the past year. It's really important that they don't abuse it, that they use it for the purpose it's intended. What do you think, Jackie? Is it not a good look for Celtic to be in Dubai as we're all sort of battening down the hatches here? No, it doesn't look good. I think, uh, you know, the first initial pictures and uh, the guys... Uh, when they weren't training, um, coming back, I think it just adds fuel to the fire. You know, even re- regardless of chasing Rangers or being way behind in the league, I think at this time of the year, with the pandemic and everybody else desperate to go holidays, and um, it's it's obviously not uh, it's not very a popular choice that they're there. I could understand that a wee bit more if it was a winter shutdown, but there's no shutdown. It's just obviously the game's next next Monday, so. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's not been a, a popular decision that I'm going. But if you're looking into the rules and the regulations, then it all gets a little bit woolly. As I understand it, uh, we gave advice to the SFA about the rules around elite training camps back in November last year. And, you know, the world around the pandemic has changed quite a bit since. Uh, the rules have been, uh, they may have to change given the changing nature of the pandemic, is that elite sports can go overseas for training camps if that's important in the context of their training for competitions. Sounds like you could drive a bus through those regulations. Yeah, well, I think it's been like or that. Or an Emirates flight, yeah, possibly. I think it's been like that from the start. If I'm honest, Rob, you know, the regulations and understandings and protocols. But I just think, you know, in this day and age, someone at Celtic, I thought, might have asked a question within their grown group. Do you think we're doing the right thing here? Do you think it's necessary for us to travel away from home and go to Dubai? You know, Jack and I spoke about it before. Whether they're top of the league, whether they're bottom of the league is irrelevant. Yeah. You know, and I, th- I think Saturday's result was irrelevant with regards to them travelling. You really should have had a look and think, is it really necessary for us to be going away here? And also, they're saying that, that they left before this lockdown w- was, well, was inflicted on us. But I, I don't think it was a massive surprise, was it? No, it wasn't. But then I think the SPFL, SFA, they will have known Celtic are going. You know, was would it have been a case of pick up the phone and ask the question? 
do you think it's worthwhile for you still to be going? Because I can't see what they can gain from it. They're just bringing negativity, you know, and scrutiny. And, and to be fair, that you know, people who live quite a sad existence of wanting to take photographs and videos and post them on social media and, and try and feel important about it all. If they're there, fine, let them try and get on my life a little bit. You'd like to think they're following protocols. You would like to think, so I haven't had a look at the pictures, I just know they've been on somewhere and, and people have been talking about them, but you'd like to think they're following protocols because if they come back and they bring, or they end up with a couple of what positive tests over the next couple of weeks, it's all going to be through back in their face. And I just wonder at this time, would they have been better staying at home? I understand why people want to go warm weather training because of facilities and the sun's out and, and you can get a little bit more out of the players, they can be motivated a little bit more, but maybe just not in the middle of a pandemic. Just probably put a bit more pressure on them coming back as well. You know, they'll need to come back and hit the ground running mm-hmm. uh, and show that it's been a worthwhile trip. And as you said, they make sure that nobody comes back with... A positive test. And of course by then they could, as you said, Crags, be 22 points behind in the title race, if indeed there is a title race. In fact, that's one of the questions we're posing to you tonight. Is it still possible for Celtic to come back at Rangers? What do you think about that trip to Dubai? Are Rangers home and hosed already for the title? 0808 17 17 700. The Bull Radio Football Show. This is the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited uh, talking about the title race. Is there a title race? Get in touch with us if you think that Celtic can still catch Rangers in the Premiership. 0808 17 17 700. It's a 19 point difference at the top. And as Stephen Cragen, who's with me, Rob McLean, and Jackie McNamara in the studio tonight, as uh, Craig was pointing out, it could be 22 points come the weekend. Uh, Rangers, of course, are at Pitordry on Sunday. It's a three o'clock kickoff. Uh, Celtic uh, back from Dubai play Hibs on Monday night. That is at 7.45. So get in touch with us on the phone number, which you know, 0808 17 700. Uh, on the text, go on your message to 874 74. And on the socials, it's at Go Football Show. And it's the football show for a Tuesday night at 28 minutes past five and let's talk to the former Livingston manager Gary Holt hi Gary hello there how are you doing I'm not too bad not too bad just uh, take some time to reflect and uh, hopefully get a new job yeah exactly Uh, and your old team I hate to say this your old team is doing rather well in your absence no I don't think it's to say hate or yeah, you want them to do well. You want to leave a team in a, a position that um, for its strength, and that's what I hope I've done um, by what's shown with the results and the, and the fixtures they had. I don't, I don't believe in waiting until something's pear shaped and then it's it's all hands to the pump. I wanted to leave when I, I knew the time was right, um, and I wanted to leave them in a position of strength, and I, I think I've done that. You, you left just towards the end of November, Gary, on the back of a, a home defeat at the hands of, of St Mirren. But I don't think anybody thought it was that Livingston were stuttering towards a crisis or anything. What was your, what was your thinking? Why was it the right time to get out? Um, maybe the enjoyment factor, the dynamic, the, how I was feeling. Um, had I gone as far as I could go. Um, I just think that you, you know the time's, the time's right and it was the same when I was playing football. Um, I knew when my, my time was up. Uh, I didn't need anyone to tell me. I knew within myself. and I'm, I'm a firm believer that you can be grown up about these things. I don't think you need to be bitter. I don't think it needs to end in an argument and mudslinging. I think it's 
been a, admitting to myself that I knew I'd run my course and I needed to, I needed out, I needed a change, I needed to freshen things up um, for myself and and for the club as well. So that's what it was, pure and simple as that. No fallout, shook hands. Thanks very much. Uh, let me go my separate ways. How was the dynamic of you working with Davy Martindale? That was good. It was really good. And I had two and a half phenomenal years. The, the, the stats are there, the facts, the, um, the players that we developed and I helped develop and bring to the club, the, the results we had. Um, so it was, it was great, but I just, it just won its course. Pure and simple as that. I'd got to the end of, my, of where I was at. Um, and as I said, I didn't want to get another month, two months down the line and do we fall out? Do we have an argument? Do I fall out with the club? Um, when they deserve the respect from me and I deserve the respect from them and that's what I want. I wanted to be grown up and be an adult about it and admit that like we're done of course. Um, let's shake hands and, and go our separate ways. Pure and simple as that. Don't not, not have an argument, not have a fallout, not have things in the press. It, it, it ain't true. Um, let's be let's be open and honest. Listen, this being adult stuff, it's not going to catch on in Scottish football, let me tell you. But no, I know I hear exactly what you're saying. What's Davy Martindale got about him? I mean, it's an incredible story, Gary, isn't it? To where he's come from, his past, which he's been very open about. Um, but uh, everyone, I guess, deserves a second chance, and he's making the most of his. Oh, definitely, his his, his work, ethic, work ethic is phenomenal. Um, just everything about the club. Uh, is Livingston is, is is what it's all about. It's not the players. It's not him. It's the whole package, and then he throws throws his whole heart into everything, and that's that's what probably makes it unique. He's not he's not just there to do his job. He wants to help everyone else do theirs and um, and grow the club. And the club comes first, pure and simple as that. It's not him. Um, it's it's Livingston Football Club, and that's that's a, a great trait to have because a lot of people are in it just for themselves, uh, especially in football. Um, and you see it throughout throughout the leagues that people are in it for themselves, whereas he's in it for the club to do well, and um, his attention to detail is, is is brilliant as well. Craig's at seven straight wins, nine wins out of ten. It's it's an unbelievable run for Livingston, isn't it? It's phenomenal considering where they were. You know, when the form had been a little bit patchy to turn that around, and you know, it's the one thing that you know, with Gary being there and 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 Davy, anybody that played against Livingston, they knew they were in a game. You know, they tested your resolve, they put you under pressure. The work ethic with the team was incredible, um, and 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 maybe they just lost that a little bit. You know, players lose form. You know, a few players have lost form at the same time. Um, you know, Gary probably searching for answers, probably more questions than answers, looking at things differently. And you know, I look at the likes of Stuart Kettlewell, who's left a job recently, and Stephen Robinson, and they looked under pressure. You know, they looked as if it was if it was hurting, it was getting to them. Whereas when I looked at Gary, I I didn't get that sense. That's why I was quite surprised when he left. Do you feel the pressure, Guy, or did you feel the pressure of of maybe not getting the results you think that your play deserved? Um, I'm not sure it was a pressure as such. I, I agree with what you're saying about uh, Stuart and, and Robbo. I'll look at them, and I also look back at my interview from the Simone game, and I probably did look similar coming across. And is it a pressure? But I don't. I don't feel that. I felt because, like you said, I, I thought a lot of the games we were in, we lose, lost one nil to Simone, lost two ones. There was games that we were in, but it's it, it, like you said, the form had just, some players were out of form, searching for answers. Was I happy? Was it, it was just the whole package, really. And I think sometimes, and people talk about, oh, you don't need to enjoy your work, you're in a work game, but football's different. At the end of the day, you know you're going to lose your job at some point. 
you're, you're going to lose whether it's games, league titles, your job. Um, so there's a way about a bit going about it. And as I said, I just felt that I'd run my course then. That was me. I'd, I'd got to the end of that journey and I just needed to, to move on. Rob, do you know what's funny? I've heard so many managers sent over. I remember Terry Butcher said it when he was at Hibs years ago and I spoke to Terry about it. Just asked him about winning games. And he said then, and I've heard so many managers since saying that they don't initially enjoy the win. It's just relief. You know, and that... Yeah. You know, Jack, you're nodding your head and it's, you think to yourself, how do you It's more about survival. Yeah. I think the games now, especially in, in the league, you know, they have the top six and the bottom six and, you know, have a bad month and it, it, you lose a couple of games and suddenly the, the questions start there and it's... They create something there and the rumours start, all right, yeah. you're under pressure. And you're asking, you're asking all the questions every week and, and Gary will remember that. You know, when you're doing the press conferences and you're dealing with the same people and they get the same questions, you're protecting people and it becomes, you know, boring. It yeah. becomes boring. You, you, do lose en- you do lose enjoyment for it. You're like having to deal with that every week, you know, or losing players. Or, and it becomes about survival. And I, I, I obviously was... was was very fortunate and enjoyed my playing career but when I went into management I didn't want to go into management to survive in it I'm sure mm-hmm. Gary's the same you wanted to go in to actually make a difference and and that's what it was like at the start but in the last little bits it, it becomes survival and it's like that's no way I go into this yeah. you know at one bad month and you know you're you're under pressure or people's looking for your job I remember at United be uh, bit before I went there was certain people came to watch the games uh, you could smell smell blood the vultures were there hovering over and you know they end up they take the job but after it uh, you can see you can see it a mile away you can see it, you know they smell blood and it's 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 it is, it's based on survival now you know top six is suddenly a, a, a massive massive achievement I mean I was guilty of seeing it myself you know a top six finish and a top six finish and you kind of almost create pressure for yourself by by talking in terms of a top six. Yeah, or a you, you six. end up talking to everybody else. You end up doing the same the same things. And it's like, but I want to win. I want to win something. I want to win a cup. I want to create something. I want to create a good team. And it's um, you just find yourself put in this kind of bracket. Yeah. And there was a real parallel, as you said, Gary, between um, your interview, your last interview as manager of Livingston, when you said, you know, I just wonder whether I've taken them as far as I can take them, and and what Stephen Robinson said, mm-hmm. and and actually even even in the, the the face of sometimes you just see it in a manager's face, and he doesn't have to say anything. Keith Lasley uh, on the back of the the Lanarkshire derby at the weekend, where he's looking, um, you know, to make his pitch effectively uh, for the for the gaffer's job at Motherwell. Um, and and they got taken apart in the in the derby. Yeah, it's it's like Jackie said. It's you go into it. We are. I, I, I'm the same thinking of enjoyment of trying to do something of having a legacy. Um, but then it does become wins, winning games, and especially in Scotland with the the twelve team uh, league. It's you win two two or three games back to back. Look at Levy's done. Look at Hamilton and the run there on. You suddenly propel yourself well up the table, so it's it adds an added pressure of uh, of not enjoying it. Just twenty minutes after a game, when you've won a game that you enjoy, and then bang you straight on to the next game, thinking uh, it's not to the end of the season when you can actually reflect and say what went right, what went wrong, and where did we end up. Um, you get a wee bit of enjoyment, but Keith certainly found out on Saturday that um, you put your head above the parapet, shall we say, uh, and the firing line. It's it's not a bed of roses. So if he wants to, to, to be a manager and he wants to try it, um, fair play to him. And, and 
hopefully have a lot more good days than they will bad. I just wonder how much social media has to do with it. And I'm not going to blame social media, but you think of managers nowadays, I mean, they're getting criticised during games at half-time. <laughs> Fans wanting managers sacked and the game's not even finished. Then, you know, the team can come back and win a game. It just seems so instant. You know, there's chairman, there's board members, there's players on it. They're reading the negativity. Yeah. You know, and even managers maybe not be on it themselves but their families are on it their sons or daughters and they want to come in and tell them and they talk about it and everything must just build and build and build and it's that it's that pressure of everything coming up expectation you know it used to be you had to read the paper on a Sunday to see what your manager had to say you can almost hear it within minutes of the game you can see his interview and you can get after them you can people can criticise people just sit and just criticising everybody you know that just adds another layer for me on your new but the thing, the thing is Craig it's like you said and Jackie will be the same it was nothing better than picking up a paper on the Monday morning to see your score out of 10 what you used to get and take the mic of each other but it's like you said as soon as I get a car my kids are telling me your, your team's rubbish you were this you were that yeah. and I'm like hang on a minute, hang on a minute. was that the game? no <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it's, it's social media it's the follow on that and it's like uh, he's rubbish he's like oh, you're not even at a game <laughs> and it's it, it does it's a massive it's a massive thing it's a massive tool we, you have to you have to embrace because it's there whether it's I agree with it or not but it's it's such a platform that gives every voice positive or negative and dealing with that is, is, is another hurdle that you've, you've got to deal with and coronavirus has, has added a, another unwanted element to the whole pressure setup of of trying to run a football team as well because you've, you've got enough Gary to contend with in terms of preparing a team for the game at the weekend without having to to surmount all the obstacles put in your way uh, without having to to deal with all the protocol it became more about the covid and the protocols than it did about the football Rob and that and don't get me wrong, I think it was right at the start and we had to hammer the point home and we're still doing it now, we, as you can see, the, this new lockdown. But it, it became every press conference was about COVID or somebody's done this. Or, and it, it became a blame culture. And I'm like, we're trying to play football, we're trying to put smiles back in faces, we're, we're tr- jumping through hoops trying to um, get the games on. And as soon as there was a slight inf- indiscretion as such, it was... Let's pillar them. Let's hammer them. Let's hammer the clubs. And you're like, we're not, we're not in a bubble. And that's what people want to seem to forget. The football's not in a bubble. They're not like the England cricket team as I, as I used before, who are away in a hotel for two or three months and see nobody and do nothing. Football's actually players, wives and partners and children, and they go out and they go to shops. And it's going to be that times there would be indiscretions as such, or cases were going to crop up, but. As we've seen in England, it seems to be games can get postponed and nothing gets said and it's dealt with and it's hope everything gets happy and healthy again from it and recover from it. In Scotland, we seem to hammer clubs. And what, it's what, not acceptable. And what do you think, Gary, is going to happen um, with the the 3-0 wins that were awarded and then removed mysteriously and we've got this tribunal outcome apparently on the 14th of the month uh, to tell us what is going to happen? What, what, what do you think is going to happen and how has it been handled? I think... Say if it was rubber stamped for the start of the season because COVID was in play before the season started. I think all these rules and regulations should have been rubber stamped by then by the governing bodies of, of, of the leagues and that's set in stone. And you know then if you break them or you know your players have broke them, um, you're going to get 3-0 defeats, you're going to get points taken off you. You can't you can't suddenly go in the season and suddenly say, right, you broke the protocols, here's a fine and points. I don't think that's fair. If you go down the, the, the fine route, then fair enough. But 
I'm not. I I don't. It doesn't sit well with me. A team gets a three points and, and three 0 win uh, through this. I think if you're finding people for it, you can say yes. But I think if it start the season and they said if your team breaks the rules and there's going to be a three 0 defeat and three points given, I certainly I'd think there'd be a lot more clubs trying to the utmost degree to make sure they don't break any rules. So what next for you, Gary? I mean, obviously you've got a, a profile in England. You played for Norwich. You played for a few clubs down south, including Norwich. You coached there as well. Obviously high profile in Scotland. What what would be your your wish about what happens next for you? Um, I'll go back to Jackie's point. I want something that excites me. I want something that I can put a stamp in place and, and carry on the good work that I've done throughout uh, management and coaching. Um Something, something that gets me my juices going that, that appeals to me. I want, I want to have a project or a plan that I, I can go in and, and get something going. I don't want to, being honest, jump into a frying pan and players only getting paid and and things like that because that's not why you're going into it. You want to go into it with an opportunity to do something. So, um, I believe in what I can do. I, I, the facts and the stats are there to back that up. So, it's. Uh, Hopefully somebody will pick the phone up or chat my door and uh, send me a letter these days because you're not allowed to do it. So, uh, <laughs> All the best finding that job if you can find it. I'll yeah. tell you what, if you find one main jack, I'll take one of those as well. <laughs> and I'll be, your, I'll be your head of communications as well. <laughs> but no, I just, I just want something that, that, that excites me and gets me, gets the juices going for why we're doing it and what, what we want to achieve in the game. Good to have you on the show, Gary. Take care of yourself and uh, we will talk to you soon. Cheers, guys. Thank Cheers you. The best. All, the best. All the best. And you can be part of the show as well on 0808 17 17 700. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. Yeah, the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited. It's Rob McLean, it's Stephen Cragen, and it's Jackie McNamara with you tonight for a Tuesday. I think it's a Tuesday. It's that time of year when you lose all track of time. Good to chat to Gary Holt uh, just before the break, the former Livingston manager and his old team are uh, certainly turning on the style at the moment. So what would you like to say tonight on the Go Radio Football show? Uh, the stage is yours. Uh, the title race. Can Celtic possibly catch Rangers with 19 points of a gap? And as uh, we've been saying, of course, that gap could, by the time Rain, uh, Celtic play next Monday night, it could be 22 points. And of course, all sorts of chat about Celtic's trip to Dubai. Uh, First Minister Nicola Sturgeon said today Celtic have questions to answer. She says possible breaches of social distancing rules while in the Middle East should be looked into. However, Celtic insists the training camp was approved by the Scottish Government, while the Scottish F it seems, have no plans to investigate the trip. Let's talk to Craig in Cumbernauld. Hi, Craig. Hi, uh, Rob, uh, Stephen and uh, Jackie. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Hey, Craig. Happy New Year to you. It's never too yeah, late, is it? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. What would you like um, to say, Craig? Well, I sort of get two points. Um, I want to... Make a point about the game, and then I want to touch on the Dubai thing with Celtic. If that's all right, but I'll sure. start with the game. Yep. Um, the game on Saturday. Listen, you know, but Celtic the better team, absolutely right. Nobody can deny that Celtic were the better team. But actually, what you saw on Saturday was exactly the problem with Celtic season, because for as much of the ball as they had, they actually only had three shots in target in the whole game. 
Um, and, you know, Alan McGregor, you know, does what Alan McGregor does. You know, I mean, the safety league, Griffiths in particular, is absolutely world class. Um, and you need that. You know, sometimes you need the keeper to produce things like that. And we're fortunate we've got people that can do that at Celtic don't, quite frankly. But for all that that they had, it, all it took was one dangerous ball by Rangers, just one, for Celtic to come completely undone at the back and near beat on to make a rash mistake that cause you know that that, that causes them to get sent off. Um, and it is a red card, you know, because Morelos is soon goal. I found it strange that Neil Lennon could admit that that Morelos would have had a shot on goal but didn't think it was a red card because of the angle that the shot would have been at. That, to me, you know, I, I get he's under pressure, but that's that's just strange because as far as I'm aware, the rulebook doesn't say anything about the angle on which a shot is taken. It's if you're going to be through and go one-on-one with a keeper and the defender's last man and they stop you, then it's a red card. Well, we have a certain legend in the studio with us, Craig, so let, let's get Jackie's thoughts on uh, the red card for Neil Beaton. Yeah, it was the right decision. Um, it was a goal scoring or a, a, a chance to, to score a goal, although it would be in the angle. I don't think the only way Ayer could get back into it is if he took the, the ball into the middle of the goals. It was actually one in the first half that uh, Laxalt had a fantastic last ditch mm-hmm. tackle. Uh, they went over the top that Beaton was caught with that. Uh, you know, and there was a wee warning and sign in the first half with that one. Um, but as I said, Laxalt got a, a fantastic ta- uh, challenge. And, mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to disagree with his points um, you know I, I thought it was a sending off uh, it's hard for Neil at the end of the game because he sees it there on the angle you know and they're running full pelt but you know it was a goal scoring opportunity and and conceding goals from set pieces is also a recurring theme for Celtic yeah they've been I think they've been uh, uh, poor most of the season not just set pieces I think uh, up until you know, six games, seven games ago, Neil's been searching for his system, to, uh, looking for the right personnel, big goalkeeper, centre halves, playing three at the back. He's chopped and changed, trying to get a, a solution throughout the season. You know, and I think with a since the sort of cup final, if you like, he's got a system playing the four with the diamond and the two up, and, and fit the two strikers in, and um, it seems to be working. It look a lot better, but it wasn't good enough on the day. As the caller said, I think. Three attempts and goal, but you know McGregor's had a good save. I think there's a couple of good blocks in there. In fairness, you know I think Goldson and a few good put their bodies in the line when they had good moments with one yeah, I think, Edward. I think Balogun stopped. Balogun, uh, that's right. Yeah, stopped, with, with stopped Edward. Edward scoring, yeah. And the position-wise, the, the fullbacks, which predominantly has been Rangers, you know, with, with Tavernier and uh, Barisic on the other side, it's been them more advanced. But I thought Celtic's fullbacks were more advanced. They got into some really good positions, but their final ball um, let them down. Uh, too little, too late, Crags from Celtic. Yeah, probably. You know their their form since the statement was released that Neil would be given time, be given into the new year. That that kind of period, uh, the Lille game on the Thursday night, the form's been good, been playing well. Your question marks going into Saturday's game were would it just be classed as a purple patch, or had they actually turned the corner? Listen, they played well, no doubt about it, but the. You know, they have conceded goals from cross balls, they have conceded goals from set plays, and they've lacked creativity, they've lacked you know, that real wide player. You know, James Forrest being out, El Yunusi wants to play narrow when he plays in the wide area. And I'm sure looking back at the recruitment, they will look and think, you know, maybe we should have went for 
another out-and-out winger with a little bit of pace because that's how Celtic were over the past, what, four or five seasons playing with two wingers going around the outside of teams whereas now they're having to go through teams and force themselves through the middle. You know, and there's so many teams this year have went to Celtic Park and been compact and forced Celtic in the pitch and kind of stopped them playing a little bit. But then it showed the other side, the Rangers, you know, you're talking about defending, putting their bodies in the line. Jackie's talking about making blocks, winning headers. That's something they were criticised for last year, being too easy to play against. So they've went full circle, you know, Tavernier in particular and Connor Goldson, who, you know, come under threat and under pressure last year, have responded and, and, and shown there's there's another side to their game. Uh, with them stepping up and Celtic dropping off, then you know that's why Rangers have went ahead. Is it all done and dusted, Craig, for Rangers? Well, I mean, listen, I think, you know, I try, try to be humble and say that, you know, of course anything can happen, but I mean, I think realistically, I, I don't see a way back for Celtic just purely because the amount of points they would need Rangers to drop. I mean, they would need Rangers to have arguably an even bigger capitulation than they've had the last two seasons. And I just don't see that happening. And especially, you know, for the guys we're talking about, in years gone by there, in recent years, in order for us to get any kind of result against Celtic, we have had to be at our absolute best and then some at times. And yesterday for a change, for the first time in a while, we, no yesterday, sorry, Saturday for the first time in a while, we weren't our best, but we still got the result, albeit it's a bit of luck. But in this game, I think sometimes you make your own luck yeah. because Celtic, I think, are in the position they're in, not because of the game on Saturday, but because of their form throughout the whole season. Absolutely. Um, which actually brings me on nicely to the second point yeah. about the, the buying thing. Yeah, what do you think? Well, it's not just Celtic that need to answer questions. It's the SPFL and the joint response group. Because I remember a couple of months ago, St Mirren had all three of their goalkeepers wiped out because of coronavirus. Two of them had a positive test, one had a negative test, but had to self-isolate. They asked the SPFL, could they put that game back? They said no. And put St Mirren in a situation where... They had to go out scrambling for an emergency loan or the SPFL, if, if St Martin couldn't get that, were going to have them play a game with 42-year-old Jamie Langfield playing in goals, for it, which would have been for at least two games. Now, the SPFL have to answer why in no circumstances they say no to St Mirren, but Celtic asked them to have a game put back. And all right, it's only by a couple of days, but it doesn't really matter. Celtic asked for a game to get put back so they can go to Dubai. The SPFL are happy with that, but not when it comes to an actual situation out with a club's control. That's the problem. It's the lack of consistent messaging. The SPFL are telling us there's a fixture pile-up and gate. they can't just postpone all these games. Well, a couple of days or not, you're putting games back to allow teams to go to Dubai when, frankly, it just shouldn't be. I mean, for me, Celtic going to Dubai, I know it's something to do every year, but there isn't a winter break this year. All the clubs knew that going into this season. And the fact that Celtic have been allowed to take a mini winter break, it doesn't look good. And this isn't, I'm not talking, you know, a lot of people say, oh, he's a Rangers fan, so the blue tinted specs. It's not. If I'm the smaller clubs as well, I'm looking at it thinking the amount of times we've been harshly dealt by by the SPFL, like at St Mirren, who just couldn't catch a break. And Celtic are able to get games postponed for a couple of days to go to Dubai. It's so inconsistent. And the SPFL need to issue a statement. And explain why that was a, that that decision was allowed to happen, and the St Mirren one, and other decisions went. Craig's, Craig makes a good point. Yeah, he does. I, I'm not too sure if uh, St Mirren at the time wanted the game called off and replayed three, four weeks later, which is what the, initially was the concern that they didn't want to start knocking games back or calling games off in case they couldn't get played later on. The Celtic one, they were knocking back a couple of days 
to play and I think uh, this, if both sides don't agree the home side have preference they can decide what happens effectively that's why Leanne Dempster and uh, Hibbs weren't happy at all but it is confusion from the SPFL but let's be honest they've been confusing for the last year or so haven't they you know some of their decisions have made um, statements have been released I think clearly lack of leadership I think the points deduction is another one that you know they've added points on the teams have taken them back off again they may add them back on again next week and I just think there's so many things that could have been sorted out before the season started. Protocols should have been put in place. They would have known that the uh, that the coronavirus would have played a major part in this season. It would have disrupted it at some stage and they should have put things in place. So um, I wouldn't be sitting waiting for that statement to come out, Craig, that's for sure. No. I don't think it'll be forthcoming. <laughs> Craig, th- thanks for your call and y- you've made uh, a couple of really good points. Thank you very much indeed. Good to have you on the show as usual. All the best. Cheers, Craig. And it should be uh, stressed as well that uh, Celtic have said the training camp was arranged a number of months ago and approved by all relevant footballing authorities and the Scottish Government uh, through that joint response group on the 12th of November. The team travelled prior to any new lockdown being in place to to a location exempt from travel restrictions. That's uh, Celtic's uh, version of a story which is uh, certainly uh, raising the temperature over here as well. It is 0808 17 17 700 if you want to join the football chat. The Bull Radio Football Show. Feel the heat of the game, the crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache and the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on heat pump servicing and breakdowns, renewable energy and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. Another fast moving first hour on the Football Show, and another 60 minutes of football chat is on the way. Get involved 0808 17 17 700. You can text go in your message to 874 74, and on the socials, it's at Go Football Show. The dust still settling on a pretty momentous weekend in Scottish football. Was it the decisive weekend? What do you think? Is it all over? Have Rangers got the title all wrapped up already on the back of that 1-0 win at Ibrox at the weekend? Other scorelines at the weekend. Aberdeen nil, Dundee United nil. That big win for Hamilton in the derby uh, against Motherwell. It's Keith Lasley's first match in temporary charge. We're going to speak about that vacancy at uh, Fur Park in the course of the coming hour as well. It was a big win though for Ackies. Another big win for Livingston. Seven of them on the bounce this time at Easter Road against Hibs. What a couple of results for uh, Jack Ross losing at home to Ross County, then at home to Livingston. But Davy Martindale's team are on the up and up. They've won nine out of ten now. Kilmarnock won, St Mirren won uh, at the weekend was a final score. That bizarre late equaliser for St Mirren. Um, it was Danny Rogers in goal for Killy who... Uh, carried the ball over the line allegedly although I've yet to see uh, any goal line technology which is going to prove it 100% uh, to me but that's the way it finished 1-1 at Rugby Park and 1-1 it was and Dingwall has 
as well John Hughes on the back of that big win uh, for him at Easter Road uh, a point against St Johnston in Dingwall so a pretty decent start uh, for John Hughes in his time as the Ross County gaffer he's been on the show of course he tends to light things up whenever he he joins us on the show so in terms of football coming up uh, this weekend um, and it is edging closer day by day Dundee United against St Johnston Saturday at 3 Jackie McNamara's old team uh, Tayside Derby for them against uh, Callum Davidson's Saints Kilmarnock play Hamilton Livingston against Ross County uh, St Mirren play Motherwell and then of course the the two games beyond that are Sunday at three for Rangers at Pataudry against Aberdeen and uh, Celtic back from Dubai to play Hibs uh, in the east end of Glasgow that is Monday at uh, 7.45 it's uh, Rob McLean and it's Stephen Cragen and Jackie McNamara is with us on the Go Radio football show with OPC Energy Limited and uh, whatever football chat we have uh, the C word coronavirus uh, is never Never too far away. It's uh, we've spoken about it plenty. The implications are massive, and uh, f- uh, really tough times uh, for everybody at the moment. Uh, the fact that uh, we ca- some people unable to play sport, unable to watch sport, and let off steam, and all that means, and uh, some tragic happenings even in the, the just the last couple of days. The story of uh, a talented uh, teenage boxer and footballer Scott Martin from Falkirk who was found dead on New Year's Day at the age of 16. He trained at Grangemouth's Sparta Fitness and Boxing Gym and everyone who knew him uh, absolutely devastated and since then the body of an 18 year old boy has been found in the park below Arthur's seat in uh, Edinburgh. Uh, These are uh, terrible times, uh, no doubt about that and uh, we're all touched by the the tragedy and one man who's uh, certainly uh, it's resonated with him is the former world boxing champion Alex Arthur. Alex, hi, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you, mate? Good to good to speak to you. Uh, hope you're keeping well and and well, you've you've been uh, well rocked by what's happened in recent days. Um, it's it's been a long, long time, hasn't it, since last March? But we, but we need to be ever more aware of tragedies waiting to happen, Alex. Yeah, I mean we really do. It's um, it's absolutely awful what's happening right now and. I just think the reaction that, that young people are having to this now is uh, is terrible. I mean, not just the tragedies that we've experienced um, as a country over the last few days, but there's a lot that you're not hearing about as well. Um, and it's not just young sports, well, it's mainly young sports people, um, but it's not just young sports people. You know, there's, um, there's young people who have lost jobs and, you know, they are out at work and, you know, they are at, stuck at home. And, you know, there's some of these young people haven't seen family members for for months and months now and they just can't cope with it um, and it's basically that's all it is they just can't cope with this and uh, I don't know if it's right you know I think um, something more has to be done here it's, um, it's, it's getting a little bit out of control now I mean you opened up your lines of communication didn't you uh, last night and, and got, yeah. a, got a massive response yeah, I actually I got over 2,000 message requests on wow. Twitter um, I was really blown away by it I was up until um, past 3am uh, talking to, to people and mainly like I did put on the t- young athletes and uh, that was what was quite shocking I spoke to young football players um, boys and girls um, or young men and young women 
um, I spoke to a really, really interesting uh, guy, uh, actually a successful snooker player, um, who's struggling terribly just now um, with everything to the point that he can't even uh, can't even look at look at a snooker table, you know, because he's had to go get a job he, because he couldn't practice and play. Um, he's, he's dropped out of the professional series. I think he has to meet a ranking requirement or something. If I'm right, um, my mind's a wee bit hazy. <laughs> I spoke to so many people. Yeah, I bet. Um, but but yeah, but he was the one that really did stand out to me to the point where. You know, it's, it's affected him massively, and he's had to go get a job. And you know, this is this is a young man who um, was was being was being groomed for stardom, and it's it's just awful. You know, I spoke to young judo players as well, um, a, a couple of athletics people, runners, um, and uh, people that are involved in clubs. I spoke to one one young tennis player as well who who is suffering terribly. It's, it's just it's just ridiculous, and I don't think that. Um, Young people in sport are even being are even being considered in this, uh, um, or, or or it seems to me that it's that way anyway because they all feel so helpless. And what what do you say, Alec? Well, I mean, try and try and remember why you started in the first place. Is what I kind of said to everyone. What what was your goals? What was your aspirations? Do not lose sight of them. Do not lose focus on them. You know, and I did say to a few of these young these young athletes as well. Like, what are you bad at in your sport? <laughs> I said, this is, you know, I tried to make a wee bit light of it. Mm. I said, whatever, whatever you're rubbish at, try and, try and get better at that. Um, try and ignore your good stuff and, and work on what you're quite poor at. Um, and try and, you know, try and do it in a way that, um, that, that you make light of it. So by the time things do start to get better again, um, you're going to have improved in your sport in a certain area. Now, I mean, again, you know, I, I I have the boxing club in Edinburgh, of course, and we, we've had to shut. But um, I'm obviously very fortunate that as my club and two of my sons are competitive, my youngest son being an international gold medalist and an undefeated national champion. And, you know, I've had to keep them going as well, you know, to try. So I've got a wee bit of experience with this over the last year. I've had to keep them motivated. Um, I've had to keep them with eyes on their goals and targets and, you know, what they want to achieve. So... You know, I just felt that I could give a little bit across there and, and, and help some young athletes because I've kind of been doing that for a year with the boys. I've got Stephen Craig and Jackie McNamara with me in the studio. Uh, Jackie, there's sh- shocking, shocking numbers, aren't they? I mean, that, that really takes you aback, doesn't it? Yeah. 2,000 responses to, it's, to, it's on, on, on one line of communication. It's incredible how it's affected not just, you know, football, but all the sports. Um, it's a real a real worry about the future. You know, we're, we're, it's losing not just losing them um, to the sport, but losing them all together. And I think it's uh, something we need to yeah, do and, yeah, yeah. and try and help them through this situation until they see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, the, obviously, Jackie, it's actually it's, it's actually really interesting that you said that because um, I've, I've I've said to a few people recently that I don't know if I've actually quite seen the level of talent that is in Scottish junior boxing just now and all my time in boxing, what, 30 plus years, I don't know if there's a, a talent crop like there has been over the past two years. I'm talking about European medalists, world junior medalists, like unbelievable. In, in our youth, not so much our national senior team, or, but in the youth in the, in, in the boxing game just now in Scotland is the best I've seen since I started boxing, mm-hmm. um, the, the medal tallies and the and the ability of some of these young ones is phenomenal. Do you know that some of them have already quit? Some of them have already gave up. I'm talking about international medalists. Um, you know, we couldn't win at medals in these international competitions 
like this 20 plus years ago these kids are winning them on the bounce now yeah. so it just shows you how much better we're getting but we are losing that young generation eh? you know potential Anthony Joshua's and Josh yeah. Taylor's you know we're, we're, we're losing them we're losing them man I think what happens then is, is kids find something else to do. I think that's what you're talking about, Jack. Isn't the kids drift off and they they find another sport or they find something else to do in the house and they drift away from the sport they love. But I think the bigger picture, Alex, it sounds like that the younger people can see their careers and their dreams evaporating in front of themselves. Yeah, you know they yeah, can't get that, to fulfil what they want to do, and that must be hard to take. Well, that's that's what I think it is. I think that they're just not seeing any light at the end of the tunnel now, and they're not getting any hope. There's no the, the local boxing clubs are it's like a, oh man it's like it's like Church of the Christians you know these young people uh, you know sorry for the term but I can't think of anything else but that's what it's like to these young boxers you know going to the the local boxing club four and five nights a week is literally their lifeline it's like their family you know and it, there's, there's hundreds of these places all over Scotland now um, and they're just not getting to do that anymore there's no um, no light at the end of the tunnel in terms of competition coming up or nothing for the for the young and it's and it's you know amateur boxing is actually taking place all over the world, um, all over Europe. Everyone has had their national championships apart from the UK and Ireland. So, I mean, what's what's going wrong there? Why why is it not happening for them? Um, uh, here in this country but as everywhere else it's just I don't know what's going on I want to add into the conversation Aaron Connolly who who joins us of the of Time to Tackle he's been on the show before since then of course Aaron uh, you and Siobhan have uh, picked up uh, uh, the Merit Prize in the Scottish FA Grassroots Football Awards in terms of what you've been doing to tackle mental health problems and, and loneliness um, an initiative I think you launched back in October 2019 I'm just wondering I mean you've you've been across this for quite a long time now um, how how are we at the moment and how worried are you about, about what this new lockdown is going to do Hi Rob firstly thanks for having me back Pleasure um, lovely to have you on it, it, It's a shame it's in such circumstances uh, I think the, the new lockdown is going to do similar to what we've seen you know it's compounding already existing mental health issues in this country sadly you know, we've had to shut down our groups that we deliver in person and, and had to adapt that onto an online programme. So people are struggling and they're, and they're rightly struggling because we don't have the connection and that we would usually have and, and it's really difficult to live with. And I think more than anything at Time to Tackle, we believe in the power of people and we believe that together we can work through this lockdown much like we did the last one. And clearly there can't be too many channels of communication from what Alex Arthur has just been telling us there. Um, he, he opens up his uh, messaging system and, and 2,000 people suddenly want to talk to him. Yeah, I want to give Alex the, the, the kudos for doing so. You know, it's something I've done quite often, not to that that level, but, you know, I've sort of always had my DMs open and people will reach out to me. I know it's a really difficult thing to hear some of the people's stories and people are really suffering. Uh, and we've seen that in time to tackle in our, our DMs and stuff as well. You know, people do get desperate. But the good thing about, you know, guys like Alex and, and, and they're like opening up their channels is that they're normalising the conversation. They're allowing people to know that there is support out there. And that's the main message I want to get across. You know, I know at times it feels like you're at the end and you've tried every resource possible, but there is always someone who's going to be willing to listen. There's always someone out there who's going to be willing to listen and help. And that. I just believe in the power of people in that way. I believe in the power of compassion, the compassion of others. Alex, do you think there's a lot of ignorance around about this problem um, in terms of offering uh, therapy and just just a, a chance to talk? 
Yeah, I mean, I really do. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's not it's not that difficult, you know, just to you know, just to open up and talk, and you know, and to give people the opportunity just to tell you what they're going through and what they're feeling, and you know, if you can share with them, you know, something that uh, maybe you've experienced personally, or you know, that you've even experienced in sport, um, you know, how to you know get through maybe a long time being injured, you know, the, how can you keep focused? What can you do to improve and look to the future, even though things aren't going well for you at this particular like point in time. You know, there's just little things that you can do that you can open up and say, you know, there is, you know, just stick with it. You know, your your time's going to come. You need to stay focused. You can't, you know, you can't fall away. You can't lose condition. You can't, you know, um, you've just got to stay with it. I know it's really, really difficult. Um, And, of course, because of this situation, not everyone has their grandparents that might be a big influence in their life or their uncle or their aunt or even their parents. You know, maybe some people can't, go and see their parents they can only talk on a phone or and it's not quite the same as that sort of like you know that that initial sort of you know when you when you see someone and you you talk to them it's a little bit different being sort of you know put away to the side or you know secluded or whatever it might be it's it's just so so hard so tough the the death of uh Scott Martin, the the young boxer, a young talented young footballer as well, at age sixteen, that must, who trained at uh, at the Sparta club. I mean, that that must have touched you closely. Yeah, very much. I mean, that was what really started this whole thing. I've, I've heard there a couple of suicides um, prior to that um, in my local area and stuff as well. And you know, I've heard a couple of suicides um, abroad, young boxers abroad and stuff just not coping with the whole thing as well and I think it was just the final straw um, I was chatting to his coach basically on the day that it happened and um, he was going through a little bit of the stuff that he thought possibly sparked it um, you know and it really did sound like the fact that he was missing competing he was missing his club he was missing his coaches his teammates um, who do become like your family to you at that age you know they yeah. really do and, you know and that was taken away for this young man and he just couldn't. He just couldn't see a way around it, and it's, it's just, it's just terrible. And you know, I've, I've seen him. I've, I've seen him compete. In fact, one of our boxers, um, Saul, Saul Saur, who's our national champion, he boxes for Treble A, um, went through and, and, and we done some training um, with young Mister Martin, and he, he was, he was fantastic. Um, what, what, what a, what a loss to the sport. Yeah, what a loss. Full stop. Um, and Aaron, yes, Aaron, yes, Aaron, I, Aaron, you, you've been. You've been to the the brink of of suicide yourself, so you know you you, you are such an ideal person to be able to to send out the message. Yeah, I think that's why that's the main reason we do what we do. You know, I came very close, and on the other side of it, I now feel very grateful to still be living. And even though we're living through unprecedented and really difficult, challenging times, I'm very grateful every day that I still wake up because it could have been so different twenty months ago. So that's why I want people to know. I want you to know that. Everything is temporary. All feelings are temporary. And if I can drive that message home through the work that we do at Time to Tackle and help you understand that there are people that are willing to listen and more than willing to help, then we're doing something right. We're doing something good. And I just hope that we're reaching the right, uh, the, the right people and the right number of people. And do you think the message is broadening out? Do you think uh, the authorities who should be doing something professionally are, are starting to, to become more aware now? I certainly hope so, Rob. I think, you know, mental health has been an issue in this country long before the coronavirus lockdown. You know, services were stretched way before the lockdown happened. This has compounded the issue tenfold. 
I hope now that with more and more people flinging the weight behind the message, you know, people like Alex Arthur who's achieved so much in his life and the like, the more people who get behind it, the more people are willing to help us, the more people are speaking, stop speaking about it, normalising the conversation, really reducing that stigma, then I hope we're starting to get the message across. And just finally, Aaron, before you go, I'm, I'm going to get a, a, a final message from Alex as well. What would you say to, to anyone listening who, who's really going through a, a tough time at the moment? Well, firstly, and you know, I've touched on it and I'm going to reiterate it, the feeling is temporary and it really is. And that, that goes for positive and negative feelings, but it's a temporary feeling. There's a comment that I often say when I'm doing talks and stuff like that, and it's that I would much rather listen to you if tell me about your whole life and all your problems for hours and hours than have to go to it and listen to your life summed up for 10 minutes of your funeral. And that's so true. And that's that's exactly where I feel on it. And that's exactly how your family, your friends and those around you feel. And if you're really struggling, you really feel like you have no one that you can reach out to and speak to, then time to tackle. DMs are always open. You get that time to tackle on Twitter. Or if you want emails, you can email info at timetotackle.co.uk and we'll be there to try and help you. Well done on all the, the good work you're getting and the, those plaudits are so richly deserved for you and Siobhan. So well done. Thanks for joining us. Good to good to talk to you again, Aaron. All the best. Thank you. All Cheers. the best. And Alex, your, your parting thought uh, to anyone listening um, who's really struggling at the moment, what would you say? Well, I mean, how can I, how can I really add to what Aaron said? That was just fantastic, wasn't it? I mean... Um, you know, the fact that you, you would rather hear everything about your life rather than a short 10-minute brief at your funeral is just is just brilliant. And, you know, like I said last night, you know, if anyone is having any trouble um, in this area, you know, I did say, particularly young athletes, um, you know, please just get in touch with me and, and we can chat about anything you really want. And, you know, I've, I have been around for a while. I've experienced most things. And, um, you know, I've been keeping a couple of young men going for over a year now who who might have lost, lost hope in their sport as well. So my line's still open. If you want to talk, I'm right here. You're a good lad, and it's good to talk to you. And Thank uh, you, my mate. Wishing you all the best, Alex. Thanks, my man. I'll catch up with you soon, yeah. probably. Yeah, yeah, I will see you soon. You might well have me alongside you for some boxing commentary if you're unlucky in the not-too-distant future. It's uh, 23 minutes past six, and you can be part of the conversation, whatever you want to talk about. I think you'll probably agree that the chat, the agenda, is pretty wide-ranging on this show. 0808 17 17 700. The Bull Radio Football Show. Thanks to Chris with the travel. Two really inspiring guys on the phone just before the break. Aaron Connolly, uh, who's been on the show before, of course. And Alex Arthur, former world boxing champion. And uh, both of them doing so much good. And it's uh, so much required at the moment, Crags, as well, isn't it? Uh, we hear all sorts of, uh, of shocking uh, stories. Um, and it's uh, all it needs is the offer of friendship. The offer of a chat a conversation it is and it's it doesn't cost anything either Rob that's the thing you know people are quite willing to give up their time people are quite willing to give their advice and I just think sometimes people just want to be told everything's okay it will be alright um, there's no doubt young people are certainly missing the interaction the social interaction with their friends what they do normally it's, you know it's really unprecedented times I think Erin said that and it's it's so difficult the fact that young people can't see any other way out than taking their own life I think that's so so sad and you know in this day and age we should be able to there should be help readily there to for young people to speak to to go to um, because you know there's so many deaths that happen that we don't hear about 
You know, we only hear something, you know, the odd one, the high profile one now and again. It's such a sad time for young people that they just want a voice. You just want reassurance that things will be okay and move forward. It's the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited. Rob McLean, Stephen Cragen and Jackie McNamara in the studio. And uh, Mick on the line. Hi, Mick. Hi, guys. How's it going? Good, thank you. Happy New Year, if it's not too late to say yeah. that to you. No, it's not too bad. Happy New Year, you guys as well. What would you like to say, Mick? Um, well, yeah, I mean, just, um, it's obviously, I've got a few football points, but just firstly, to kind of touch on, obviously, what the guys were discussing there. Um, I'm actually part of a, a mental health support group myself um, called Man on Inverclyde, yeah. which is a, a suicide prevention group. So, you know, I really enjoyed listening to that there. Um, yeah. um, one of my pals, one of my pals, Chris Paul, he actually founded it last year, um, you know, roughly around the, the time the first lockdown started. And, it's, and it really has made a difference to, to a lot of guys, you know, myself included. That's great. Um, so, yeah, so it's just, it's really just about encouraging people to talk, whether it's, you know, in person or through Zoom calls or WhatsApp groups or what have you. But, um, yeah, so it's just, it's just to really mention that, first of all. And how do they get in touch, Mick? Um, well, yeah, I mean, they can, they can get us on social media. So it's Man on Inverclyde. That's, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Yeah. Uh, we've got quite a lot of admin guys that kind of run that 24 7. So get in touch with us. I mean, obviously, we can, we can take it from there. Well done to you. Um, what would you like to say football-wise? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it was a happy new year until the until the football, <laughs> until the results. So um, it kind of went out the window after that. And it's and it's also just to say it's it's really great to hear um, Jackie's fitting well after such a traumatic time that he's went through. Um, yes, thank you very much. Yeah, no, one of my absolute heroes growing up and um, played in probably one of the in terms of watching this play how well we played football. The the Tommy Burns team that you know in the ninety five ninety six season. The football was absolutely incredible, um, and it's kind of—I'm kind of gutted. I wish we could go back to it right now, but um, uh, me too. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm gonna tell you, can I tell you, Mick? He's looking well. He's looking well as well. Uh, yep. No, I'm glad to hear it. I'm really glad to hear it. Um, well, I just think that Saturday was—it's uh, so frustrating because it was a sign of you know what what could have been. Um, you know, if we if we brought players into the team earlier, especially in midfield. Um, we wouldn't have been so far behind, and I think the fact that the second of January was a, you know, essentially defined a title race, it tells you how bad it's been. Um, so it's just it's really really frustrating because we played really really well, but I think as soon as it, as soon as it went at half time, we kind of thought, nah, it's not going to be our day at all. Jackie, yeah, I agree. I agree with him. I think um, I touched on it earlier about the, you know, Neil to find his his system that it suits uh, the way he wants to play and. I still think the um, looking at there defensively, you know that that was my concern. Probably looking at both teams was the, the gaps between the full backs and the centre backs, which is where where the sending off came, because the two full backs uh, were playing as wing backs earlier on in the season when Neil was playing three centre halves, but they still kind of play the same way. You know, I, I was taught uh, and worked on it with, with Tommy Burns and Billy Stark. You know, if I was down the right hand side. Tosh McLean to be talking in and vice versa but they don't seem to be doing that I mean, and the one ball one ball changes the whole uh, dimension of the game you know one ball round the side uh, beat on the wrong side of him brings him down and it's changed the whole the whole game you know Celtic were way on top didn't get the goal uh, that their play deserved but um, that that changed the game and, and cost them the game but there's been a massive contrast hasn't there this yeah. season between Rangers and Celtic Rangers have had continuity they, they've changed that left centre back now and again but pretty much the goalkeeper and back four has been the same all the way through Celtic have been chopping and changing all, mm. all the time haven't they both both in terms yeah. of formation and personnel but that's a sign of where they are where they've been you know Neil was continually trying to get something that would work um, just on Jackie's point there about 
you know, it, it's probably, you know, you look, if Christopher Iyer was there or Christopher Julian was there, they wouldn't have got done in that situation. But because Julian injured himself in the last game, then suddenly Neil has to make a change he probably didn't want to make. You then look at Shane Duffy being an international centre-half and he didn't want to put him, that tells you what Neil Lennon thinks of Shane Duffy or thinks yeah. of what his, his capabilities. He's prepared to play a defensive midfield player at centre-half. But when you're talking about full-backs attacking and being, do you think that was more because how important it was to win the game for Celtic that they thought they probably had to gamble at times they had to push them both forward to try and get it I think it's just it's the way they've been playing even the Dundee United game uh, you know the uh, Nicky Clark had a good opportunity Sorrow actually got back in the game uh, but you, you look where, where uh, Frimpong was you know he's 40-50 yards away mm. you know and it's, it's came down Lax out uh, sorry Taylor, it was Taylor's side or Lax outside sorry and he was way out of position you know, it's something we're always taught. Um, I know it's different because you're playing Dundee United at home. You're in, you're in attack. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can afford to uh, take opportunities. It's different, maybe a bit different Rangers at Ibrox. But I still feel they're still playing the same way. I don't think there was any change to to the way that they approached it or the setup of it. Was was Saturday Mick the day that your any sort of title comeback ended? Um, I'm usually optimistic, but I think so. Um, I mean, again, there's still there's still a long way to go, but I think um, I, I think it's it'll give Rangers a kind of spring in their step, and it, um, it's really hard to see coming back for here. Um, again, I hope so. I know the Rangers have got quite a tough January, so I'm, I'm hopeful. But again, we'll need to wait and see. It appears that Neil Lennon has the backing of, of Dermot Desmond. There have been whispers over the last uh, 24 hours that uh, the job is his till the end of the season, at least. Um, is that what you want to hear? I, I, I really don't know because I think the problem goes beyond Lennon now. I don't think a lot of people are happy with Law with Desmond or even for me the Nicky Hammond the recruitment I, I think it's, he's a massive part of what's what's went wrong with Celtic so I think questions need to be asked you know from top to bottom but I think um, we need to be careful but I mean if we need to know who's going to be the manager because who's going to bring in signings in January because Lennon could sign people in January that the next manager doesn't want so it's there's a lot of kind of questions that need to be answered, but um, the communication between the board and the fans has been atrocious. And the fact that they've went to Dubai as well is just a slap in the face to, to so many, especially during a pandemic. So, yeah, there's, a, there's definitely a lot of questions that need to be answered. Yeah, see, I think the recruitment's a big one because Celtic got their recruitment wrong in the summer or they delayed and dithered on it and Rangers already had the initiative because they didn't make many changes in the summer you know just I think the unity they all had together they all done pre-season together they were all ready to rock and the fact that they left her you know I think they were out of the Champions League before they got David Turnbull and Shane Duffy Barkas arrived a couple of days before the season started they got a Yeti in before uh, the Ferenc Varos game but he wasn't fit he hadn't played hadn't trained really so everything was all wrong and if anything is to be learned from the summer gone, they now have to arrive in June or July with everything done. And I think this could be the biggest rebuild Celtic will have in such a long, long yeah. time. They're going to need eight or nine starters, not eight or nine squad play, eight or nine starters in their team to really push on and kick on because there's so many players with 18 months left in their contract, Christie and, and Edward and Griffiths, uh, Ayer uh, and Cham. These guys will probably go in the summer because their value is yeah. has to be... Um, you know, they have to get the value for money and they have to go now rather than, than January. So I think, you know, was it uh, Mick's spot on? The recruitment from Nicky Hammond has to be vital. Is Neil Lennon going to be there? Is there going to be a new manager coming oh. in this summer? Nobody knows, but uh, they've got a big, big job ahead of them. Well, that is the big question, isn't it? Is Neil Lennon central to the next round of recruitment? Because it's not just a question of him being manager at the end of the season. It would be a question of him being manager next season. Yeah, it's a fair point. I think this season's been... Uh, all based I think 
previous previous transfer windows is probably a structure a different structure in place I think this this season I think it's been so mixed you know you've got young up and coming talent like I think Tumble's been a great addition I think he, he's going to be a good player Sorrow coming in then you've, you go and bring somebody like Duffy in you know to, to put fill a gap for a season you know that, that that's not been their their kind of uh, structure that we've had before it's been bringing players in that are on the way up like a, a tumble there and I think this season has been so intent in trying to, to get the 10 in their own it's a, become an obsession with everybody you know, that, think, has that been part of the problem? yeah of course yeah. I mean there's there's no doubt about it um, you know it, it's not just Celtic you know Rangers as well they'll have made decisions there about players they probably would have sold before you know the players maybe what Neil spoke about players that didn't want to be there or but this season was it would have been impossible for the, the club to sell players in the summer. You know, the fans would go crazy because they wouldn't accept it there, even though the players don't want to be there. So next year, as Craig said, they either sign a new contract. If they don't want to extend their contract, you can't you can't have them going into their last year of contract and walking out for nothing. Um, so they have to max. Celtic have to maximise it. See who the players that want to be there. If they don't want to extend their contracts, then it's time to move them on and then get the structure right for the players that's going to take the club forward again. Because they have spent money. You know, the last mm. three transfer windows, I think it's over thirty million pounds. Albeit, you know, they've brought money in here and there. But you just think to yourself, thirty million pounds, and you're looking and thinking, for what? You know, if you're spending thirty million pounds in three transfer windows. You should be leading the league by 19 points, not your better rivals. You know, so that's where the question marks will come in towards Nicky Hammond and the recruitment. Can they invest another 20 million, 30 million? Are they going to give more money to spend based on Barkas and Ayeti and Klamala yeah. who still haven't hit the ground running yet? Because, so because, of the head of, because of the head of recruitment is treated like the football manager uh, and he gets it wrong... He gets the boot, doesn't he? That's, that's yeah, what happens. I, I, I don't think it'll just be him making the decisions. I think it'll be you know a, a number of people behind the scenes, and, and maybe as I said, this season has been different because you're plugging holes, um, getting players in to fill gaps. Is so Duffy is a, a classic example of that? You know, to go and get a player on loan at, at that level for that kind of money for one season, they wouldn't normally do that. You know, it's been for this season and it's not worked out. He's not. You know, one reason or another, he's not settled in uh, the way they would like. I think the with Neil not bringing him on uh, when Dundee United when Julian got injured, it, it it told me it wasn't going to play in the Rangers game, which was the case. He preferred to play Beaton, which is a massive kick in the, the teeth for for uh, Duffy. And confidence-wise, you see him when he came on and the ball at his feet, he just kicked it away to the Rangers player. He, he looks short of confidence, which. It's sad because he's an international football player. He's not he's not a bad player overnight, but confidence is a major part in football. So is there a question, Mick, at the moment of should Celtic keep on keeping on trying to get back at Rangers um, in the hope that Rangers can slip up? Or is, is now about long-term planning and thinking about next season? Well, I'd be about both, I would say, because I mean, you, you can't just concede that the title's done. Um, so there's got to be an element where you need to try and still win it or try and call back or put them under a wee bit of pressure because their bottle has collapsed before. So, you know, if they, if they drop one or if they drop a couple of points, you know, that it might, it might still be a wee tiny chance. But I think all the time you need to think about a rebuild because, as you mentioned, it's, it's not just a few players. There's going to be a lot of players that are going and it's players that are usually going to be involved in starting. So... A rebuild is going to be massive. Again, you need to make sure the right man's there to do it. Otherwise, it could be another rebuild and another... So we need to make sure it's done right. What do you think, Jackie? Is Neil Lennon the man for Celtic long term? 
Uh, it's it's a hard one. I know it wasn't a popular with everyone when he first came in. I thought it was the right decision. You know, when when Brendan uh, left, I thought he was he knew what was what was needed. He's in in fairness up to this season, he's he's delivered. You know the the treble again. Um, this season has been a tough one for him. Uh, you know, in, in terms of the things he's he's had to deal with, we keeping players happy, bringing new players in. Changing systems, changing personnel, um, and it's taken him a, a number of months to get that the way he wants it. And I, I don't see anything happening just now. I think they'll, they'll they'll give him. I think it's reported that they'll get to the end of the season, but I think until the, this, the league is resolved, you know, I think nothing will happen until that that happens. Is that the right decision, Craig? Well, it's a hard one because if they don't see Neil long terms being the manager. If you're the incoming manager, you want to be in as soon as possible. You want to be in, assess what the squad is. You can't arrive at the end of May and think, right, okay, here we go. You know, what do we need? You want to know now and you want to try and put put building blocks in place for next season. So next season isn't like this season where it's really detached at the start. It's messy, transfers are late, you're bringing people in for the sake of it, you're filling gaps. You want a structure in place that moves forward. So it'll just be interesting to see how results go over the next you know few months. Um, with regards Naylor you know whether he'll go on I just felt earlier in the season it had gone too far I couldn't see him coming back so credit to him that he's managed to wrestle the team's form back and they've you know, had a good patch but you can't help but think long term Neil Lennon won't be the Celtic manager you know it, it just seems inevitable that there will be change and it, it's so similar to Rangers 9 in a row whenever you played in the side that finished yeah. that that you just want to, that squad just evaporated and changed and you know so many similarities to the Celtic team that they probably need to break it up and rebuild and start all over again so um, I, I I can't see Neil being the manager in two years time that's for sure but he certainly deserves respect and, and appreciation doesn't he for, for what he's done in 20 years as a player and a coach and a manager Jackie and some of the stuff that's happened yeah. this, this season against him to him has been outrageous yeah, he's put up with a lot. Um, it's mostly been against him with other other teams and not in his own. Um, you know, obviously feel for him, and I know how much you'd be wanting to to do well this season. You know, being a, a fan, and it would mean a lot to him. But um, you know, it's it's not worked out the way the way he'd want it. I said a few months ago that I think it was important that the the club either backed him if they weren't going to change him, and that's what he did. And, and when he did that, it was the right decision because it settled everything down. You know, they, they got on with the cup final. They won the cup final. And the momentum they got a lift with that, uh, and they looked a lot better. They got the shape changed. They played with two up, two up front, and uh, up until Saturday, everything was going great. Mick, thanks for your call. Cheers, guys. Take good, care. Good, and Cheers. Good, good luck with all your good work as well. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Bye, bye. Good man, thanks a lot. That's Mick on the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited. You can get involved as well. 0808 17 17 700. Who's going to get the Motherwell job? Who's going to replace Stephen Robinson? We'll talk about that next. The Go Radio Football. Thanks, Chris. Chris with the travel and the Go Radio Football Show is into the final furlong. It is uh, flying by as it generally tends to do. We're getting our heads around a lot of different uh, topics as well in the course of the last couple of hours. We've been talking, of course, uh, among other things, about Celtic's trip to Dubai, which has been getting a mention uh, today at the Scottish Parliament. And uh, the First Minister clearly reckons that there are questions to be answered. For me, the question for Celtic, what is the purpose of them being there? I've seen a comment from the club that said it's more for R&R than it is for training. I've also seen some photographs and I, I don't know the full circumstances that would raise a question in my mind about whether all the rules of what 
elite uh, players have to do within their bubbles around social distancing are being complied with. So I think there are things there that, that should be looked into. Elite sport's been in a privileged position at points over the past year. It's really important that they don't abuse it, that they use it for the purpose it's intended. Well, Celtic have responded on their website. Here's what uh, Neil Lennon has had to say. Uh, We're sure the camp will be really important to us. He said, it's the same format as previous years, obviously with one significant difference being the protocols in place for COVID. But we hope that we get the same lift from it and can go on another great run in the new year as we did last season. That's our real focus just now. As the club said yesterday, the camp was arranged some time ago with the full consultation of the footballing authorities and given approval by the Scottish government. Of course, we understand that we're in very unique and difficult times and there are now even tougher restrictions in place at home. But the camp is risk assessed and arranged in conjunction with Scottish football's joint response group. We've put in place all the appropriate protocols and we've undertaken the camp as we see the sporting benefits from it and hope it can do for us what it's done in the past. This is Neil Lennon talking from the first day of camp yesterday and into today. The boys have been working tremendously hard as we always do on a camp which has served us so well over recent seasons and that will be the format for the rest of the week. Very tough but productive and important sessions to get us ready for the second half of this season. But Craig's it's a, a hot topic and uh, mm. everyone has his or her own view. Well, they do. And listen, I understand Neil's thought process behind that and I understand what he's saying um, about, you know, getting everybody going again, having a positive impact in the second half of the season. I'm not going to argue against that. It's just, it just doesn't seem right that, you know, there's so many struggles going on here. People going into lockdown and, and Celtic being away. I just... You know, they aren't going to win no matter how many statements they release. They're still going to have their detractors. They're still going to have people who aren't happy with it, who will still say that you, you still shouldn't be there. You should have stayed at home. And, you know, what was the 12th of November? Everything was agreed. You know, there was times between the 12th of November and now that I think the conversation should have been had. They should have been asking questions. Do you still think it's all right to go? Should we still be going? Are you still happy we're going? You know, whether those conversations happened or not, I don't know. But I, I, I just don't think you'll ever please people no matter how many statements they release. And the worry for Celtic fans will be that by the time they come back from Dubai, uh, they've got a 22-point deficit uh, on Monday night uh, and, and a tough game against Hibs, who are looking to bounce back from a couple of bad results themselves, Jackie. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's more added pressure on them now coming back. I think, look, I've, as a player, I think I had two winter breaks uh, away in Florida. One, one year, it was the year we got to uh, the FA Cup final. And the merits of it is that seeing the sun at that time of the year, you know, it was a real lift and recharge of batteries. I, I get it, you know, but it's not a shutdown. Uh, this year, it's it's a week, a week's training there in the sun. I can understand why you want to do it, but it was never going to please everybody, um, you know, especially in, in these times and uh, not just where Celtic are in the league at the moment. But, um, it's just put more and more pressure on them to come back next week and do well. Let's talk Motherwell uh, for a moment and the search for a new manager, replacement for Stephen Robinson. Uh, we were, I guess, surprised that he went. Uh, maybe not when we saw his uh, after-match interview uh, following his last game in charge. Keith Lasley in uh, temporary control. Uh, his team lost out pretty badly uh, in the Lanarkshire derby at the weekend. He is one of uh, a shortlist of four, we understand, uh, to take over 
Tommy Wright in possession. Uh, Tommy Wright is a contender as well. That's not a great surprise. Graham Alexander Craggs uh, has been mm-hmm. mentioned. I think uh, his last managerial job was at Salford. Lots of people will remember as him as a former Scotland international defender. As I said to you the other day, that it's an attractive job. You know, they're only what nine points for off top six. If they manage to get those six points back on the board um, for the games that that weren't played suddenly they're three points from top six as much as they're looking over their shoulders there's no doubt that the squad of players at Fir Park shouldn't be where they are um, you, you only have to look back the hearts last season and think individually there were some very good players but they couldn't get themselves out of the mire the club are in free fall with regards to results it's, it's been a lot of negativity and I think you know watching Keith's interview on, on, on Saturday night and, and just seeing the look in his face it was yeah. horror as if to yeah. say because when you take a job you think I'll go in I'll change things I'll change the dynamic the mindset oh but you've only had what two days to do so but you still think you know I'll, I'll get a little reaction something that I can build on the players can build on and then to lose 3-0 in the manner which they did against you know Hamilton their arch rivals was really hard to take so yeah Listen, Keith, I think it's going to be interviewed for the job. What will be difficult potentially is if Keith goes for the job, doesn't get it. One of the other candidates does and Keith stays on as assistant manager. Does the manager start thinking, well, you were wanting my job. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, it, just makes I know. It, it just makes it a little bit awkward somewhere along the line. But um, listen, there's no doubt Keith will have a plan in his mind of what he wants to tell the board, how he will turn things around, how he will change things. Some people think you go for a different voice, someone outside the club who's coming in fresh, doesn't know individuals personally knows about their abilities can they build something together so it's um, I think that result in Saturday has sped up the process mm. I really think they maybe looked at it and thought if Keith can get a result Saturday well he can buy us a bit of time over the next couple of weeks well that was, that, that was the easy outcome wasn't it Keith eased into the job they, they won them at the Lanarkshire Derby he did pretty well over that four game spell and they gave him the job yeah well that would buy them a little bit of time but yeah. I think they've looked at it and thought well we need something now not even a new manager well not out with Keith they just need clarity the players need to know who's in charge and what direction you're going in because you're giving players a few excuses well I don't know if he's going to be the manager I don't know who's in charge and players don't need excuses they've got enough of their own so don't give them any more I just think the the manner of the of the defeat has made the, the board think and Alan Burroughs think we need to do this ASAP just to clear all doubt around players' minds and get back to winning football matches. And I think anyone who knows Keith Lasley at all was really shocked at the level of performance or non-performance, Jackie, from that Motherwell team at the weekend in a match which mattered so much for all sorts of reasons. Yeah, I actually felt for him because you know, I was hoping that he would do well and, and get the job. You know, he's he's been part of it there for a number of years and uh, he's a good servant to Motherwell. You know, he's still obviously got a chance that he might get it, but I think you see his interview before the game and you see it after, it's like two different people. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been there myself a number of times. Uh, you know, it's uh, can quite a lonely place and it's consuming. One thing since he've taken over, he realised the difference between being that assistant and then doing everything. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, it's it's such a consuming job that there's no it's, it's a twenty four seven job. You know, even you you work in the office and you go to the training ground, you come back to the office and you're taking calls. You go home at night, you're taking calls. There's players issues, there's yeah, everything, everything. Yeah, uh, I mean, I took it for two games after Ian Barclough left, yeah. and I didn't sleep for two weeks. Yeah, I went to bed thinking <laughs> about it. I dreamt about it. I got up in the morning thinking, what's happening now? You know, and we actually won the first game, but I was thinking, Phew. and then I remember it was the second game halfway through Dundee, we were losing two 0 and I thought. This is not for me. I'm thinking I can't be standing. It's just it just everything just went, and it is. And you know, you think even now with the protocols of the COVID, the press you got to deal with, players, coaching and and managing is probably the last thing in your mind. You know, whereas it should be at the forefront of your mind because there's so many other distractions going along with it. It's um, 
But I just wonder, are the club looking for a bit more experience? I don't know. You know, because when you go through tough times or any experiences you have in life or any time you know, you come up in troubles, it's normally your past experiences you look back to and think, how did I get over that? And an inexperienced manager getting in a really tough time um, it, it, it's, it's a big call for the club. But there's no doubt Keith would want to take the job because yeah. he might never get the chance again. You know, he might never get a chance to go into the Scottish Premiership club again as a novice manager. So you think, if it's there, I absolutely want to go after it and absolutely want to take it. I think we, we obviously with Ross County as well making that that change with Yogi again, and you know, and it's been a little bit of a change. Mm-hmm. You know, four points in the last two games. So they were looking at that as the sell for a for a reaction with the players. You know, with, with the manager leaving, and they've not had that in a in a important game mm-hmm. at a local derby. So uh, no, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what see who they appoint. One team that looks as if they're just about safe from relegation, not just in terms of the points they've got, but the way they've been playing is St Mirren. And, and they look all set to bolster themselves for, for, next, well, for next season initially, but maybe they'll try and get this deal through um, in, in the month and to have them on board right now. And that's Eamon Brophy, uh, Jackie coming from Kilmarnock, who's faded out of the picture at Rugby Park. He's always looked, you know, well, he's got a great goals record, hasn't he, Eamon Brophy? And it seems as if St Mirren have beaten off some pretty stiff competition uh, to get him on this pre-contract deal the likes of Hibs and Aberdeen who you'd imagine um, have bigger budgets yeah I, th- I think it's one that he'll, he'll want to go and play he'll want to get a guaranteed starting place um, you know they've done it just now I wouldn't be surprised if they go in and try and take him just now uh, you know we're getting the deal done they can go in and see if we can try and prize him away at this time of the season and uh, it'll be interesting to see if that happens before the window closes and that's just more pressure for managers isn't it that you're losing players that, you know, who are going to go to another club and you may have to keep them for another three or four months, try and get the best out of them. Their mind somewhere else. <laughs> oh, it's sad. Yeah. And you, you know that they want to go. I mean, I've just said I've to deal with that. You know, when one of the players left and signed a pre-contract, and I brought him on, and he, he got booed for coming on. Yeah, and then it's horrible. The, the boo when you let him go. It's you can't win. It's, <laughs> but it's uh, no. I've been as I said. I've been interesting to see if they want it. It's for the summer, or they want to try and prize him away just now at this time of the yeah. season. And just before we go, Jackie, your boy is on the brink of signing with Livingston. We hear. Uh, not my boy. No, it's just someone I look after. My, my son's. Uh, uh, He's in Hibs Academy. Ah, sorry. 16. Who, so who's signing? Who's on the brink of signing for Livingston? Uh, I'll tell you tomorrow. <laughs> oh, okay. Is it under? It's not. It's not done yet. Okay. Um, so uh, no, it's a young young prospect. Uh, but I'm hopefully everything can get sorted tomorrow. Okay. You haven't lost the ability to play with a straight bat. That is for sure. <laughs> good, good to have you on the show and for Crags Thank as you. well. And we're back uh, tomorrow night to the Go Radio Football Show again. Another couple of hours of football chat. Join us tomorrow from five. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go. Feel the heat of the game, the crunching tackles, the near misses, and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last minute heartache and the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on boiler servicing and maintenance, visit opc-ltd.uk.